And welcome to another week of strength for today. I'm your host here, Eric Dykstra, and we've got a great week ahead. And last week I was just so blessed and honored of sharing some of my story and really the ways that God connects with me. And I'm excited about what God's put on my heart as usual. And I want to dive in this morning. Uh, we're going to actually look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and really look at the place of suffering in the life of Paul. We're going to close it out this week, I promise. And we're actually going to look uh, in 2 Corinthians and Philippians 3 this week. But I want to begin today just by sharing uh, an analogy that I had heard about what the Christian life is often like for many of us. And I could say this was true of my life, but before we jump in, I just wanted to say a huge thank you for those that have been listening and watching online and subscribing to the YouTube channel or the podcast. I really appreciate it. And if you'd be so kind and gracious just to help me spread the word and to get this out there, um, Usually I share these on my Facebook page as well. And if you want to forward it, share it with other people, that would be great. And just trying to spread the word, but not try to promote myself or the boast in anything that I'm doing, but really I believe this message uh, is one for the body of Christ and even those who don't know Christ. And so I would really appreciate just your uh, willingness to, to share this with other people and allow Jesus to minister and to work in their hearts. And so with that being said, let's just dive right in. I, last week I shared about some of the encounters that I personally had with Jesus, one of them being out on Lake Michigan and uh, that being a representative of God's grace and love in my life. And then on Friday, I kind of capped that off by weaving different things that the Lord's been revealing to me over the last several months in my own life um, through what I introduced you to as an Emmanuel encounter or facilitated prayer session where God tied that together. Um, so go back and listen to those this past week. But I also just want to get in a little bit uh, deeper this week, kind of, I always say under the hood, uh, because if you're mechanically inclined at all, you know that when you're working on a vehicle and you get under the hood, you begin to see uh, some of the real aspects of what's going on in that engine and what needs to be done in order to get it to run smoothly and efficiently so that you're not in danger when you're driving. And I'm one, as you get to know me, that I don't like to be um, hiding you know, anything. I mean, there have been times in my life where I've kept things hidden, but one of my values right now is that to live very transparent and vulnerably. And just because I'm doing these podcasts and, and these YouTube's uh, videos, then that doesn't mean that I don't still have stuff going on underneath. And then my life is always in process. And I want to help you see uh, underneath and into my heart as I present this, because I, I want you to know that what you see uh, on the screen or what you hear through the radio uh, is is the person that uh, that that who God has made me to be today. So. I want to tell you a little bit more about uh, some of the things that were going on because I did share last week that there was a about a five or six year period that I've been in recently where God has been doing a very formative work. And for any of us who have been in those seasons where uh, purpose isn't clear, um, our destiny doesn't seem very clear, and maybe we're lost in despair or don't connect a lot with hope or 
we don't have a lot of encouragement or, or loving, safe relationships around us. And that can be a very hard place to live. And there's not a lot out there that I've really seen um, that builds these kind of safe communities where you can bear what's in your heart and what's in your soul and not be buried in the guilt and the shame. And that's really what God's cultivated in my heart to create is a protector, a type of community where we can begin to see into each other's heart and there's going to be grace and mercy and compassion that flows from my heart to yours. And um, when you're in that kind of environment, it really fosters growth at such a deeper and more meaningful level. Because a lot of times how God works in this process of transformation, it's cultivating the soil that we find ourselves planted in. And that soil is representative of our life and the circumstances that we find ourselves in. For some, this is going back to the parable of the four soils, where that might be rocky ground. Or it might be the birds are coming and snatching the seed and not allowing anything to grow. Um, Others, there may be distractions where we hear the words and it, it just can't comprehend it and it doesn't stick. Uh, or the thorny soil where um, our thoughts and the lies that we believe from the enemy and about ourselves begin to choke out the truth of what God is doing. And when our new creation that we've been talking about for so many weeks now begins to emerge as like these worries and these thorns and, you know, we're hurt and we're wounded in that seed of God, the word of God doesn't get deep in us and it doesn't grow and produce fruit in us. And so I want to give you a little context is that, you know, this isn't a very quick and uh, efficient process in which God heals us and he restores us and allows us to recover from the battle scars that we often get in life. And so uh, I want to take this first episode in the week and just share a little bit more because in that five or six year period of my life, uh, I had some very uh, low moments and it wasn't just this kind of magical work of transformation where I feel like I'm coming out of, you know, kind of in this season and launching out and building new things. But there were definitely good times and very significant ways that God connected with me uh, that I'm grateful for. But then there were also days where uh, I really had a, a no sense of identity. Um, I was trying to find a place of belonging with other people around me. And it just kind of felt like I was drifting and wandering. And I was, you know, I had a couple different jobs and just kind of felt like I was outside of what I was really called and gifted to do. And there were even times as I was walking through these past five or six years that I was trying to open doors and kind of make a way or force a way into doing something that was more in my wheelhouse and what I was called and gifted and skilled to do. But none of those doors seemed to open. And there were days that I got very frustrated and discouraged and didn't really know what to do. And in those moments, I was crying out to the Lord, just like David did in the Psalms and in Lamentations. This is kind of an art that we lose today, but you know, there is a there is a part of us that is meant to carry uh, sadness and grief, you know, in a way where we're crying out to the Lord and asking him to move and do something that only he can do. 
And, and for the last several uh, years of my life, that's kind of been the posture of my heart, crying out to God and asking him, what is next? And just when I think that something was about to break open, I find myself kind of in this discouraged place and it seemed like the door was closing again. And so I just want to be very real and upfront with you that that's just the way life works a lot of times. And in these seasons, we've really got to discover how we walk with the Lord and who he wants to be for us in that time. You know, I once heard a great teaching um, that kind of hit on this question that we often ask in these difficult seasons is why does God allow this or why is he having me walk through this and it's the why question that he said never gets answered and that really hit my heart and he said the two best questions that we can ask in seasons of difficulty when we're searching for the Lord and maybe it's not all that clear of what he's doing happened on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts one the apostles asked when they were in the upper room and they saw tongues of fire, uh, flames of fire above the apostles' head. And the Holy Spirit was being poured out and they, they heard people speaking in different heavenly languages. And one of the things I love is just to kind of picture myself in that upper room and what that must have been like as they heard these heavenly languages beginning to break forth. And, you know, one of the things that the apostles asked was, well, what does this mean? And I think that's a great starting point for us when no matter what season we're in, if it's in a great season, a fruitful season, a dry and desert season, what does this mean and how is God working in it for me? And then the second question that was asked by the apostles in the day of Pentecost was, what must I do or how must I respond as I make sense of the world around me? Because when we ask those two types of questions, God can partner with us and he can lead us and he can help us. He gives us wisdom, understanding, discernment, um, and permission and favor in these seasons where we say, what does this mean? And, and you can journal, you can pray, you can worship. There are so many different avenues, being in nature, however you experience God, as I often find that he's very willing and uh, able to meet with us. And so I just wanted to encourage you with that, to ask those two questions. What does this mean? And how must I respond? And just listen to the Lord. And as you hear him, and as you start to get direction and clarity and focus, then we must surrender our, our heart and be obedient to what he's put inside of us. And so with that, I want to share an analogy with you that was very helpful to me. And this was from a guy, uh, I found it in a book called a, a Forming, A Work of Grace by David Tackle. And David Tackle is a very gifted writer, a great communicator. And this whole book was really on how God forms us in spiritual formation. And it's really a work of grace. And he starts off this book, as you can see, if you're watching this on YouTube, there's a uh, picture here of a sailboat out on the ocean. And this ties in last week to my, my image of grace. And I didn't read this until several years later. And this has been a great resource and tool because it goes through so many things of the nature of God, understanding grace, um, how we hear God, how we discern his voice, um, how we walk out our salvation being led by the spirit. So this is a great resource, but this is the analogy that he used. He said, for so many of us, 
uh, our Christian walk or the Christian faith is more like rowing than it is if we're out just sailing on a boat. And this is really what it broke down to is that you can imagine being out on a lake or wherever it is in a rowboat and trying to put in effort and trying to move. And it requires a lot of energy. And for a lot of us, especially in desert seasons where we feel dry, we put in so much effort and it's like going against the current where we don't make any forward movement or progress. And we just find ourselves after a couple minutes of rowing, getting frustrated. When actually God formed us and the way he's wired us is much more like a sailboat. And does sailing still require work? Yes. But it's learning to use the, the sails in the boat. Now imagine being out in a sailboat and there's a big, fresh, colorful sail that is on your boat. And now you've learned how to catch the wind. And this is what God has meant it to be like for us in our walk with him is learning to align ourselves with the wind and the movement of the Holy Spirit. And as we learn to do the work of directing our sails, this is what I equate to cultivating our heart and allowing our, our hearts to be governed by love and receptivity and intentionality of positioning ourselves uh, to, to be led and guided in the same direction as the Holy Spirit. And as you're out there, imagine yourself on this sailboat and you begin to catch the wind and you notice that this is actually fun and enjoyable and it's just learning to align as opposed to rowing, where it's like every couple of minutes, your arms get tired and you just can't row. And this is really how he says that we were created and even wired neurologically to experience the love of God in us and to be directed by it. And I want to just read a small portion of it here because I loved how he stated it and I loved how he phrased it. He says, all of life outside the kingdom tells us that the advancement is earned and mastery is achieved through hard work. That might sound familiar for so many of us where we've put in a lot of work and we haven't seen a lot of advancement. And it's something that we think that's often earned. Another place uh, in one of his other books that David Tackle talks about is that salvation is really a gift and it's not something that's um, it's not something that we earn or perform or work into, but allowing that to settle in our heart, that grace is a gift, salvation, everything that God does, it's him doing the initiating. And that can just be freeing for somebody today and giving you permission to just receive first before we give out because we have to receive in order to give out anything or have you fruitful in our life. So again, I'll read that. It says, all of life outside the kingdom tells us that advancement is earned and mastery is achieved through hard work. Not so in the kingdom of God. Purity, wholeness, healing, and restoration of the ruined soul result directly from engaging with God. And I want to stop right there because that is such an incredibly powerful passage where he says, in the kingdom of God, it works differently. It comes from a place of purity, wholeness, healing, and restoration. And we'll get into that in a few seasons, maybe the next season more uh, than this season of what that process 
of purity, wholeness, healing, and restoration really begins to look like and how our heart, our spirit, our mind get made whole and begins to heal. But it comes through engaging with God. And then he says this, not in traditional one-way prayer, but from dynamic, tangible interaction in which we are involved both actively and consciously. So a dynamic interaction with the Lord. Because for so long in my life, um, it was one way. And, you know, I was always told to read the Bible, to pray, to serve, to go on missions trips. And these were all good things. But it really wasn't until I graduated college where I really started understanding what an interactive lifestyle looked like and that it's so easy on a daily basis to connect, but it just takes discipline and devotion really rooted in delight about being with God. And I've noticed over the years that as I come to the word and as I come to prayer, God is very willing to talk with us. And a lot of times in our life, before we begin to recognize the voice of God, God is speaking in us and all around us. And now it's just becoming aware and, and learning to discern that still small, quiet voice of the Holy Spirit that speaks internally within us. And then he says this, instead of trying to make ourselves do more of what we think Christians ought to do, hoping that will make us into the people we were meant to be, we need to be made into who God meant us to be so that we can do what we were meant to do. That's the difference between rowing and sailing. And that's a great concept there. Instead of trying to make ourselves more like Christ, it's understanding the new nature of who we are because of who Christ is, what he's done, and now who he becomes in us. And so I'm going to take you back inside of my life in these past five years. And after I had stepped away from a ministry position, I, I took a, a job with a post office um, just north of where we live and carried mail for a year and a half. And then after that, um, took a job doing maintenance with the church, which I'm still doing part-time in terms of kind of hoping that it would lead back into ministry. And even over these last five years, uh, always seeking that door kind of to get back inside the world that I knew. But, you know, I can remember so many times um, what I thought was hard and an uncomfortable place became times where as I was walking and carrying mail, uh, there were so many practical skills that I learned about preparing myself and uh, leadership and being in a secular environment and working with people that really don't know Christ and being a witness, being a light. And it really allowed me to cultivate skills in, uh, even as I was out there walking, um, praying and listening um, you know, to the Lord, I had so many encounters with the Holy Spirit and just learning to be dependent upon him. And then when I stepped into maintenance, uh, it was, uh, you know, this is kind of a funny thing that I'll share is um, my wife pointed out to me one time that, you know, on a spiritual gift assessment test, 
that I had taken um, working with my hands and maintenance was one of the, the lowest things on my spectrum of skills and gifts in terms of spiritual gifting and assessment. And that's where God led me. And I stepped into it being unsure of it and not knowing if it'd be a good fit, but God did so much in me and continues to do so much in me. And there have been so many times where I've learned to incorporate the Holy Spirit and talk with him, uh, even in the simple task of not knowing how to do a task or, you know, what it is to, um, you know, that needs to be done or who I need to get a hold of. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit would put this thought in my head or connect me with a person. Uh, there's so many examples that I could give you. But with all that being said, what I'm saying is, over the past five years, it's allowed me to be in a space. And I often say this is kind of the hidden space of God. When God hides us and pulls us off the front lines of whatever we're doing, he gives us an opportunity to build a relationship with him that becomes so much more intimate and so much deeper and profound. And he begins to reveal his heart if we're willing to take ownership, if we're willing to be responsible and put in the, the time and the energy and the effort to really get to know who God is in a new, in a fresh way. And in these seasons of being hidden, God's often redefining us, reinventing us and giving us a new way to walk with him and leading into something. It's the purifying, the pruning process. And in John 15, Jesus talked about this, where he prunes us to, in order for us to bear more fruit. And so for five years uh, now, the Lord has been cultivating my heart and he's been preparing me. He's allowed me and enabled me to focus on being the father I need to be, being the husband that I need to be, and, and beginning to understand my kids at a new level. Because we often uh, get our eyes focused on just being delivered from our circumstances as opposed to seeing it as an opportunity to develop more of our true identity. And really for these five years, I've come to know the Lord in profound ways. And uh, there were, yes, I would say I, I haven't enjoyed it. And there have been seasons where I've been in great discouragement and despair. But today I would not give that up. And I know that I've hurt people, that, that I was broken, that I left other people broken and wounded. But the healing that God has done in my heart uh, that I shared even last week has made me into so much of uh, a more whole, whole person and healed and restored and given me such a greater capacity to love and be joyful and to serve the people around me. I often say that, you know, when we go through these seasons and we come out the other side, we get to experience more of God's grace. And that's just what Paul was able to do as well is when he came out and said, as I look back on my life, I wouldn't have exchanged it because of the opportunity that it provided to know the Lord Jesus in a much more real and intimate way. And so with that being said, I want to conclude today's episode with a scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And this is Paul boasting about uh, his weakness. And as we even look at strength, uh, that the, the name strength for today, we're going to begin to see that strength often comes when we discover our own weakness. And we have to come to a point in life where we're dependent and reliant and trusting and confident in God's strength coming through and providing a way 
where there really was no way. So here are these words of Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, um, verse 23. He says, are they, he's talking about servants, these other people who are doing, you know, great works in this city. And he says to the Corinthian people, are they servants of the anointed one? I'm beside myself when I speak this way, but I am much more of a servant than they. I have worked much harder for God, taken more beatings and been dragged to more prisons than they. I've been flogged excessively multiple times, even to the point of death. Now, if I'm listening to that and hearing that out loud, it doesn't sound very fun that he was flogged, that he was put in prison, that he was dragged uh, and beaten several times. Listen in verse 24, he says, five times I've received 39 lashes from the Jewish leaders. Three times I experienced being beaten with rods. Once they stoned me, three times I've been shipwrecked. For an entire night and a day, I was adrift in the open sea. In my difficult travels, I've faced many dangerous situations, perilous rivers, robbers, foreigners, and even my own people. I've survived deadly peril in the city, in the wilderness with storms at sea and with spies posting or posing as believers. I've toiled to the point of exhaustion and gone through many sleepless nights. I've frequently been deprived of food and water and left hungry and shivering out in the cold, lacking proper clothing. And besides these painful circumstances, I have daily I have the daily pressure of my responsibility for all the churches with a deep concern weighing heavily on my heart for their welfare. You see, Paul's not trying to make a case for himself, but he remembers what he came from and the encounters, the experiences and his own walk that he's had with the Lord has uh, enabled him and empowered him to become something. Remember what I said grace was, the power to become something, God's empowering presence to become something that you were not before. And it's only through his grace giving you the strength and the wisdom and the knowledge to know how to live in this place of being a new creation and being in union with Christ. So he goes through this entire list and guys, we're going to have to go through stuff as we decide to give uh, our lives to him. Because even in the gospel, Jesus said this is that if you want to gain or find your life, then you must lose it. And he says, pick up your cross and come follow me. It's not an easy road but it's a joyful one. And it's one that's going to make you richer because of the process and the development that you're going to experience as you learn to trust him in the hardships. Because Paul gives a great list here of all the things that he's been through. And he says this in verse 30. He says, if boasting is necessary, I will boast about examples of my weakness. Paul did this in chapter 12 in 2 Corinthians as well. Here are these words. He talks about the thorn that was given to him in the flesh. He says, the extraordinary level of revelations I've received is no reason for anyone to exalt me. For this is why a thorn in my flesh was given to me. The adversaries, the adversaries, messengers sent to harass me, keeping me from becoming arrogant. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to relieve me of this. So Paul acknowledging that he's had this thorn in his side to keep him humble. And that's not saying that God is a God who just, you know, is going to torture us or is going to, you know, create pain in our lives. We don't really know what this thorn is that Paul mentions. And, but yet God is going to keep us uh, humble 
And Paul is saying that in my weakness is the place where I find the humility to press on. And then he says this, he's even crying out, just like I talked about earlier, that the Lord would remove it and the Lord's not removing it. But in verse nine, he says, but he answered me. This is God or Jesus, the Holy Spirit, revealing this heavenly truth to him where he says, my grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So I pray today that his power, his strength would be made known through your weakness. And then he says, so I will celebrate my weaknesses for when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. What an incredible statement that is from Paul to make that in his weaknesses, he will celebrate so that he can be more deeply uh, aware of the mighty power of Christ living within him. And he says, so I'm not defeated by my weakness, but delighted. Whew, someone needs to get excited about that today. Being delighted in your weakness because it brings glory and honor to Christ. And he says, for when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, and when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger for my weakness becomes a portal to God's power. And I think that's a great place to end this episode today. A portal, your heart being filled with his love is a portal to God's power flowing in you and it's going to be released through you into the lives of those around you. I'm just getting an image right now of a volcano when it erupts and all the magma, all the liquid that begins to flow, and it just basically destroys and overwhelms everything that comes in its path. And I just get that image of God's love flowing out, flowing into us today, and just being at a place to receive it and allowing it to move deeply inside of us today. I want to read that one more time. It says, so I'm not defeated by my weakness. You are not defeated by your weaknesses today. The enemy has tried very hard to keep you down, to keep you suppressed, to keep you in discouragement and hopeless despair. But because of Jesus' victory and his strength, he makes you strong internally. Remember Isaiah 40, one of the very first weeks, he gives strength to the weary. And he'll raise you up. He'll make you walk and not grow weary. He'll make you run and not get tired. That's the promise you have today. And he says, I'm delighted in my weaknesses. For when I feel my weakness and endure mistreatment, when I'm surrounded with troubles on every side and face persecution because of my love for Christ, I am made yet stronger. So that's my prayer today for you, that you are made strong through the power and the love of Jesus Christ today. May it be so and may you feel it internally. And just take a few moments here to just sit in the love of God and to feel the strength of his love, of his eyes of fire looking deep into your soul and telling you this, that he loves you, that you are his beloved, that you are accepted in him, and he cherishes you more than anything else in the world. May that be your strength for today. 
God bless, and we'll see you back on Wednesday.